Well, this is exciting. Welcome to 10 for Rue, a Ramah New England podcast. I am Josh Edelglass. I'm one of the two assistant directors, and I am here with two of my very good friends and colleagues. Hello, I'm Michelle Sugarman. I'm the other of the two assistant directors. And I'm Ed Gelb, the CEO of Ramah New England. Yes, welcome, welcome. Michelle, I, I don't know, we might have, uh, is, are there smichut on assistant directors? I don't, I don't know the proper, it's, I, we would think at this point in our working relationship, we would know, you know, the, the proper Hebrew formulation of the assistant director uh, uh, title. Scott, Scott name in a hell? Yes, well, guess going right to the Ivrit, Rabbi Gelb, God bless. May I may Milim, bucket hat for you, sir. It's been a long, long held dream, basically, to podcast. I thought it was a fishing thing at first. But it turns out the casting has nothing to do with fishing lines. Was this your your uh, your childhood upbringing peeking through here? Yes, fishing was very big during my childhood. Did you actually fish? Is that true? Sure. Yeah. Like, what did you fish for? Fish. Like, what kind of fish? We in it, where I. I grew can see up, you were at a high level of. Uh... <laughs> where I grew up, where I grew up, fly fishing was a big deal, and uh, it was for trout, uh, all sorts of trout in Wyoming. Uh, brook trout, rainbow trout, all sorts of trout. Um, we actually had a friend who was a very big artist at the university who liked to tie flies. They would tie their own flies. It's part of the sport. And one day he came to my house and saw my sister, Barb, and said, your hair color is perfect for the blah, blah, blah fly. And he pulled out a little piece of uh, scissors and cut off hair from her right then and there for his fly. Is fishing a sport? Yes. Absolutely. I agree. Yes. All right. That's good to know. Michelle, fishing? Have you ever fished? Um, so, yeah, where I grew up in Scranton, my grandparents used to have a cottage in Lake Ariel, Pennsylvania. So we used to, like, rowboat out to the island and go fishing. Um, I would say I was more of a someone has to cast it for me, and I'd stand there for, like, a minute and be like, I'm done, new game. Um, but I did, yeah, I watched a lot of fishing. Now, you called it a game, not a sport. I, did, I don't did know if there's a, a difference. Game, not a sport. <laughs> your, your, your true feelings are sneaking right. are sneaking through there. So what are we doing? We should probably discuss what are we doing? What is this this 10 for Rue podcast? Uh, we don't actually know all the answers yet, but our, our hope and our, our thoughts here is that this will be a way for us and you all there, hopefully our, our many legions of lis- listeners, at least all five of you, opportunity to dig deep into Camp Ramon, what makes Ramon New England special. We want to use this form to give updates on the kites and talk about exciting things that we're cooking up, give all of you an opportunity to have your voices heard. We're also planning some fun interviews with various uh, important and integral people, some of the GOATs. The greatest of all time, perhaps, of uh, Vermont, New England. I don't know. what else, Does that summarize it well, do you think? What else should we say? I would also say we're open to ideas. If anyone has things they want to hear on the podcast, yes. like shoot us an email or whatever. We're happy to, we're open to suggestions. I see this podcast as like a beacon, a beacon of light in the distance that gets me through those 10 months of the year and guides me back to where the Rue runs free. Uh, 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 and what we're hoping to do is help people who are currently at camp, staff members, alumni, to, to see that beacon and follow their hearts right back to Camp Rama. That is beautiful. What an off, a beautiful and, and totally off the cuff speech. I'm not being sarcastic. Very excellent. I agree. Well, I, 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 as I, I think people probably already know about the three of us. And if not, no, they will discover by listening to this that we, uh, we like talking about camp, and there's no shortage of things to, to, to talk about, which uh, brings me to, you know, 
as I said a moment ago, one of our purposes of this podcast was to give people a chance to get a little insight into what we're doing in the offseason, what's happening at camp, what are some of the exciting things that we are cooking up. Rabbi Gelb, where, where, sh- where should we start? What what exciting things do we want to we want to share with the people listening? Well, I think the first and exciting big thing for our big Ramah New England family is that our Boston day camp is going for a full summer, six-week summer this coming summer after a great pilot program. And I think that there's just energy that's just, you know, buzzing about this camp. Uh, and I think it's going to be a really wonderful experience. It's going to be hosted at the uh, GAN Academy in Waltham. And we've got a great swimming uh, pool at the college right there. And, of course, our D.C. day camp is staying right where it's been at Wellspring, which is really great. And uh, enrollment is open for both day camps after a great start. And, of course, we're, we're, we're rocking and rolling enrollment right now for our next kayaks as well. So that's really great. So that, I think that's, that's, that's exciting. And our staffing, you know, we have lots and lots of Madrichim counselors who are already wanting and clamoring to come back to camp, uh, which will help bring the magic as we head towards the summer. So those, I think that's, that's, you know, that's where we started. And I guess I should pass it on to other people to think what they think is exciting and new. Well, I just want to say, I think the day camp stuff is really, is so exciting. It's hard to, I mean, I feel like we've been, you know, talking and dreaming about this expand. I mean, it wasn't that long ago that Ramon New England was just one overnight camp. And I think like, none of us thought just, like I said, it was just, but that, that seemed like plenty. How, how could we be anything more than that? And and, and now I, it already seems very um, obvious and natural that we that we, we have these day camps as part of our family as well. I think it's very cool. And our family camps, which is which yeah. are expanding. Our spring family camp was jam-packed, and next summer we're going to have, next year we're going to have a spring family camp and an end of summer longer family camp. So that's all, that's that's great. Those are all great things. Michelle, what's new by awesome. you? Awesome. So yesterday I had the uh, the privilege of visiting some of our day campers in the D.C. area. We had a large reunion for the D.C. day camp in Saad Aleph, Hanichim. We were outside. We had some moon bounces, some lots and lots and lots and lots of hot chocolate and some mini donuts and just a all-around fun time. Uh, throughout the day, we probably had close to 200 people stop by. Um, and it's awesome just to see so many of our in the off season and they're happy and it was like no time had passed they're walking around with their friends just having having an awesome time i love just seeing camp people throughout the year always i i'm curious you mentioned mini donuts mm-hmm. yeah they're not donut holes they are mini donuts right. what's the virtue what's the virtue of, of a mini donut in your you know i, I mean like if well, it's I just a want to define donut, our terms here. Is a, a mini donut is just a circular donut that's just smaller yeah the Krispy Kreme glazed donut just smaller so How what small? is the point of that? Like, what is yeah. the virtue of that? Um, you're no waste. You know, sometimes you don't want no a full waste. donut. Who's wasting you know, a donut? You would be surprised. That's yeah. true. And young I kids, maybe maybe a little donut will do. Right, exactly. I, I would just mention that um, this is probably something not everybody in our listening audience will know. But our great baker, a couple times a summer, makes donuts for the staff as a special treat. And, and the reason why it's only for the staff is because of our deep frying capabilities, which we can debate whether or not things should be deep fried. But donuts should, if you're going to have a good donut, you should. Agreed. Uh, and uh, I would say personally, the uh, apple fritter mm-hmm. that he makes is is perhaps one of my favorite things 
in the world. I'm, I'm, I'm salivating a little bit just thinking about being at camp, you know, a few weeks in the camp, a little tired. It's a Sunday morning, and I need something to, like, pick me up, my Shavua Tov moment of the week. And I, I hear that there's donuts waiting. And it is a blessed day. And you could smell it down this right. It's a smell. <laughs> Do you have a favorite donut flavor in general, guys, or 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 of a Ramah of the Ramah versions? Or well, the, it's definitely the fritters of, of what we have at camp. Although the, the the just the simple glazed donuts are also magnificent. I, I like a simple glazed donut. I like a. A powdered. I generally do not like stuff inside my donuts. Shocking like to hear jellies. that. No, don't like that. Is that considered a condiment? But a but a a a rich like white like vanilla, not the like yellow that's in a Boston cream. Don't care for that either. But like a a, a rich like white vanilla inside a powdered donut. Love that. Is that Bavarian? Yeah, perhaps? I was just gonna say. No, not I. I think it's not. I think the Bavarian is the no. Bavarian to me is more of the yellow. It's a little more of a yellow. No. No. I thought the Bavarian I, was the white, and the cream. Boston was like I the thought yellow Bavarian one. was white. No, custard. I think the Boston's a oh. the yellow is a custard. Right, but I don't want. A, I'm saying custard. Right, I think the Bavarian. Not what right. I, want. I think the Bavarian is white. I do. Could be. We'll have to do some research on that. Have our Could Cracker be. Jack research team checking <laughs> on that. We'll go on a fact-finding mission. Michelle, your favorite okay, donut? Okay, so in the camp choice? variety, I agree with the two of you. Definitely the apple fritter. Those are yeah, uh, amazingly wonderful. I would say in the non-camp variety, I, I do like a good Boston cream donut. Um, the other one I would say is like a blueberry jelly donut. Ooh. Yeah. Like I don't like the red jelly I do like as much. blueberry things. I like blueberry things. Blueberry is one of my go-to you know, flavors and fruits and whatever. But yeah. I've had a couple donuts where it's like, see, I don't like the jelly situation, but like if it's like actual blueberries, like baked into like a nice, rich, cakey mm. sort of donut, that I, I've had some blueberry donuts like that are really good. I have now done the definitive research <laughs> on Bavarian donuts. Okay, here we go. So that means that there's a 5% chance that I have the right answer. Okay. Bavarian cream donuts are rolled in powdered sugar and made with pastry cream that has been mixed with whipped cream. Boston. Cream donuts are filled with vanilla pastry cream and dipped in chocolate. So I stand corrected because your description of the Bavarian, that sounds like exactly what I'm talking about. Because like a pastry, like a like a white, like like a like, it says like here, a, a cake frosting sort of situation almost. Bavarian donuts, a type of filled donut that's made with soft puffy fried dough with vanilla pastry cream. Yeah. All right. That sounds like okay, that's that, from FoxyFoxy.com. That like Foxy, that, Fox, well, that's a reliable right. source, definitely. <laughs> this is a good segue into our next segment. Um the Ramad Directorate looking stuff up on the internet. That'll be a important important feature in our in our podcast, right? A little side note about that. I have proved to be a brilliant both parent and camp director by when something cannot be fixed, Google searching it. And I have I have I have astounded people with my knowledge of automobiles and things like that just by simply Googling. So yes, I think it's a critical component. So like, you know, that the next time I can't figure out, you know, I don't know, like how to fix the the door in my oven or something like that. Yes, no, for sure. Yeah. I, I do this. I do the same all the time. Particularly, like, I mean, I, I was Google in in our, our 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 production meeting tech setup of this very podcast. We were I was doing a little <laughs> a little googling to try to figure out how to do. Uh, we'll see how if this sounds good and pleasant to the listeners ears will know that i succeeded if not i maybe needed to have done a little more well my microphone is not operational my fancy <laughs> microphone but i would say that, that it's operational in the olden days 
the first like search engine I used, which may date me even beyond all of you, was Ask Jeeves. Uh, did you guys, did you guys yeah, ever sure. have Ask Jeeves? Of course. Ask Jeeves was bought out by either like Yahoo or somebody, but it just seemed nice to have a butler who would who would look up things for <laughs> you. So um, I stayed with that probably past its prime. Of course, I still have my <laughs> AOL address too. Anyway. So there are, I, I mentioned segments before sort of jokingly, but there are two segments that we're hoping to include in this podcast moving forward, but we, we definitely need some help from our, our community of Vermonics. The, the first segment is we would love to use this as a vehicle to share good news from throughout our community. And this could really be anything. You know, we're happy to spread the word of, did somebody do, do a good deed? Did somebody have a a good accomplishment, personal or professional, that they wanted to share the Ramah, with the Ramah community. We'd love to help just share good things that are happening. There's so much that is good in the world and in our community, and we'd love to help just share that. Also, I would say if anybody is working on community service projects or things like that that they wanted our help spreading the word about, maybe other people could participate and help and be involved in, we'd love to use this to do that. Um, so please, you know, feel free to, you can email me and uh, we would say, just just give it the uh, the subject line, Ramah, good news, and uh, we'd be happy to share it. Uh, one thing that we have, our uh, the president of our board of directors, uh, Liz Waxman, did email me. She sent us a great photo of three Soul Leem 2022 friends, Isaac, Daniel, and Asher, meeting up for ice cream at JP Licks. It was awesome. We love hearing about Ramonic's, uh gathering and spending spending time with their camp friends in the off-seasons. That was very, very happy. The second segment that we're hoping to um, incorporate into this podcast is about the art and other creative endeavors that Ramonics are doing. We have so many talented Ramah campers, staff members, alumni who do extraordinary things. And we'd love to use this podcast as a way to Again, help spread the word about cool stuff that's happening. Did somebody write a book? Has somebody recorded music? Has somebody created art of any kind? Please let us know because we'd love to spread the word about that to our Ramah community. So again, just reach out to me via email with the subject uh, Ramah Creations. One thing that I just want to, to share is that um, I uh, just playing around through Amazon – um, and I had seen on social media, I think she had posted, which then drew me to Amazon. One of our alumni, Sarah Young, has a book on Amazon uh, called Parsha Poetry, where she wrote a poem for all 54 Parshiot. I actually just ordered one. I don't even have it in my hands yet. Maybe hopefully by the next podcast I will. But that just sounded really awesome. And I, I wanted to sh- spread the word about that to anybody listening to this. That's really interesting because being connected to Judaism and Torah through art is a tremendous uh, entree point, and I feel that that's a real great Ramah way to be connected. So, Yasha Koach to, to Sarah for for doing that. Yeah, I'm excited to get it. I can't wait to read her poetry. And that's, I think, a great example. I bet there is lots of stuff like that happening across our Ramah movement, and, and we'd love to hear more about that. All right. Well, so that sort of brings us, I guess, to the our, 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 our main segment of this podcast, Rabbi Gelb, do you want to introduce what, what we sort of wanted to do next? Sure. I, I think it's really important for, for people to share their origin stories with Camp Ramah. Hopefully that's the segment you were alluding to. It is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, that I, I find it very fascinating how people get connected to camp. And when you start doing that, you start to understand why camp is 
such a powerful place. And also you find connections to other people that you didn't even know existed, which is also, a, you know, the, the, a truly camp thing. So I think that those stories are important. So I thought we should all share our Ramat origin story. And as we do that, other people should think about theirs. And if you bump into me out there in the world or at camp next summer, I'd love to hear your origin stories. Who's going first? Michelle, you want to go first? Uh, sure. Why not? Um, so my Ramah origin story. So as I have mentioned already, I'm from Scranton, Pennsylvania, which um, doesn't have the most, you know, robust Jewish community, especially in the small little conservative shul that I belong to. Um, so my family, I'm the middle of five children. Growing up, we um, we always had Shabbos dinner. Like Friday night was important to my family. And then we would do something as a family. We'd have game night or something along those lines. Um, so my mom one year was at a, a board meeting at my synagogue. And my sister, Amanda, who's the oldest of all of us, wanted to go to her first middle school dance. So she must have been in fifth grade. Um, that's when we started middle school. Um, and it was going to be on a Friday night. I know every school district is weird. That's why I clarified it was fifth grade. So she wanted to go to this dance on a Friday night. And um, at the synagogue board meeting, our neighbor asked my mom if she wanted to carpool. And my mom said the whole thing about how she wasn't sure she wanted to go. Like, it starts this whole thing and like, you know, Shabbat and Shabbat Friday night dinner is very important to our family. So my rabbi actually said, you know, like Rhonda, who's my mom, you know, come talk to me for a second. My mom is a nurse. She happened to be a school nurse. So he handed her a flyer. This was, you know, pre-promo videos and awesome websites, all that kind of stuff, like a brochure for Ramah and the Poconos and said, like, you really should consider this for your family. So... My mom reached out, and then that first summer, my mom was the camp nurse. As I mentioned, she's a school nurse. All five of us were, you know, sort of dragged to camp. Um, my younger two brothers were in the gone. I was the youngest you can be for a camper, and my two sisters were obviously campers as well. Um, and that that's really it. Like, that was, that was the moment. I was also, I mean, those of you who know me won't find this so shocking. Before the end of staff week, I was already in love with camp. And I was like, this is the best place ever. And I remember people being like, yeah, camp hasn't started yet. And I'm like, it doesn't matter. I was like, in my glory, I loved every second of it. Um, and so, yeah, that's really when I when I started. I just want to ask a clarifying question, if I may. Please. Do you know who the rabbi was? Yeah, Rabbi David Geffen. David Geffen. So I, I, this is going to obviously come out many times throughout the uh, podcast, but Michelle and I are linked by our hometown. I was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania as well uh, and left uh, as a wee nine-year-old. But, uh, but we are connected through Scranton, and that's a bond that's unbreakable. And the crazy thing is her mom was the school nurse in Old Forge, Pennsylvania, which is a tiny little town right connected, I guess mm -hmm. you would say, which is where my father was born and raised. And of course, is the home of Old Forge Pizza, which is a whole other topic. But um, but that but that's just that's just stunning to me. I will give you a quick other little tidbit here, if I may. The, another rabbi who was in Scranton after we left was Rabbi Roan, mm -hmm. and and the Roans are Ramah family, and their cousins, the Finns, are also uh, a Ramah family, and uh, the Finns, uh, Alana and Danny Finn, live in uh, in Sharon. And when we moved here, they, they have a kid who's uh, connected to one of my kids' age. I was in their house, and I see this picture, a wedding picture, on a stairway with this, like, red carpet. And I'm like, that is, that's just, that, that looks really familiar to me. 
So it turns out that Rabbi Roan had bought our house in Scranton and the Finn's wedding was in Scranton and there was a wedding picture in the house I first lived in uh, in their living room. That is awesome. That is crazy. I remember Rabbi Roan. So, so uh, you know, it's it's a small world is the theme song behind this. Josh, you want to go next? Sure. I So I grew up in uh, Woodbridge, Connecticut, a little town outside of New Haven. And um, I was not allowed to stay home and do nothing for the summer. I would have been content to just read comic books like on the floor of my room all summer long if left to my own devices. But uh, my parents thought, rightly so, probably that would not be the best thing <laughs> for my uh, growth as a human being. And uh, so I had to go to camp and I, I went to a few different day camps and they were all fine. I wasn't unhappy, but it was fine. It was just sort of like, eh, it was something I did. Somebody from Camp Ramah came to, I went to the Schechter School, Ezra Academy from kindergarten through eighth grade. Great, great Schechter School. Love Ezra. I have no recollection of who it was or what they did. I, I assume the, pre, I think the presentation was like literally like slides, like a slideshow of like old fashioned slides in one of those one of those little spinny uh, slide right. machines. Not the shoes that people wear today. <laughs> right, correct. And um, whatever it was, I, my recollection is I went home and I said, this looks like fun, can I do this? My recollection is my parents just said, sure. I'm sure there was an investigative process that must have happened at that point. Um, but I, I, I went for, uh, it was second year Ilano, it was my first year as a Chaniche camp. And I loved it right away. My parents still talked to me about my first letter home, which apparently I wrote on the first night, which was basically I told some convoluted story, which to best of my recollection is true, that the toilets overflowed in the bathroom and we all had to wear our rain boots into the bathroom. And I love camp. And uh, I basically have not looked back <laughs> ever since. The other letter my parents remind me of is that apparently I asked them to get um, a recipe. Maybe it was like a chicken recipe or something that we had at camp and... And there might have been some mild offense that, that I wanted a camp recipe above a, a home <laughs> recipe, but also also hopefully some happiness <laughs> as well. Well, I suspect that that slideshow is probably somewhere in the basement of the library. To sit <laughs> it probably Which, is. by the way, could be an investigative reporting podcast uh, feature in of itself. What is in that library, uh, in the basement of the library? You know, one of my early jobs at camp, like like that first year that I was working on the year-round staff, I was only part-time at the time, was I went through, I think it was Joel Stasky gave me a, a huge bin of slides. And I went through them basically to pick like the 50 or 100 best ones. And then we got turned into actual prints and digital versions of the photo. But I was literally one at a time holding a slide to my eye up looking at the lights. I didn't even have a projector. I was just trying to sort of look at the tiny little thumbnail size image to figure out, okay, that looks like a good one. And then uh, we'll see which ones we want, wanted, to, wanted to save. Even 20 years ago, we were trying to move away from uh, the old slides. Right. I mean, even in my time at Ramah, there was still a slideshow, an actual slideshow, but we were very antiquated. Um, anyway, so I, I, I think it's remarkable your both of your um, origin stories are somewhat similar, yeah. though unique. Mine is a little different, I think. Um, I mean, the the love, the falling in love with camp was certainly part of it, but I never went to camp as a child. When we lived in Scranton, my older sisters went to Ramah Poconos for a couple of years. 
basically because a rabbi went to my grandparents' shul in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and told my grandparents, send your send your grandchildren to Camp Ramah. So I remember going up on visiting day there. I have a I have a vague recollection of that. But I, we moved to Laramie, Wyoming when I was nine. And the only only camp I went to was basketball camp in, in Laramie, Wyoming. And then I went to college at uh, UCLA, which is a very small school in uh, Westwood, uh, California, and uh, high in the hills of, of Westwood, I guess, in, in L.A., which was, you know, probably almost twice as big as my hometown. And it was at that point you could get residency by just getting a summer job in California and declaring that your residency. So my mother said to me, Ed, you should uh, go work at Camp Ramah. There's one in California. You like working with kids. It's good for your Jewish soul. You should do it. So, and you both have heard this story before, but um, so I applied for the job and I had an interview. I, I applied like in November, which was, I think, also very early for people doing that at that time. And I went for an interview. I put on a coat and tie because I thought I was, you know, applying for a real job. Like you should put on a coat and tie. And, and, and I got made fun of mercilessly for that for years and years afterwards by the assistant director. But anyway, I went through the interview and um, I was offered the job. And I went, uh, I went that, uh, actually worked a couple weekends prior to the summer, met a bunch of staff members who really welcomed me in. And I fell in love with camp. I met uh, Rabbi Mitch Cohen. It was the summer assistant director, the former national director now uh, that summer. And uh, that was a, a lifelong friendship and mentorship began. And I followed him then later to Ramah, Canada, to be a Rosh Hashanah there, et cetera, et cetera. But, um, but th that first couple summers as a counselor, Madrid in California, were just some of the most special times uh, I could ever imagine. And, uh, and yeah, so we all have a lifelong, I think, real love for camp. It's interesting, and I think it's cool that amongst the three of us, both you and Michelle have spent a significant amount of your formative Ramah years at a different Ramah camp, which is very cool. Like I'm a long, you know, I've only gone to Palmer. Um, and I, I think it's, it's, I think it's fun that the three of us, we have backgrounds at, at, at different Ramah camps that we can bring together. Right. And I think that whenever I talk to the campers, the Hani Chimet, uh, in Palmer, you know, we talk about, well, what really makes our Ramah different than other Ramahs? Although it's been a you know it's been a few years since I've been there, though we we certainly hear from the other camps you know now there there are there are a lot of similarities and there are things that really make it different. I think the geography of the camp, the terrain of the camp, you know, Ramah, California is just it's gorgeous, it's it's beautiful. It sort of looks like Mash, the the television show Mash, as far as the way it looks, but more a little better camp, uh, but that beautiful and there's no there's no water, you know, besides the swimming pool is. You know, it was one piece. And then Ramah Canada with everything around a ginormous uh, agam. I do think that how, and how it's set up does does impact it. But I, I always tell the kids the Ramah Tikva program and the impact it's had on Ramah New England and that legacy is one thing that I think differentiates our Ramah. And the second is when I first stepped into camp 17, 18 years ago, the other camps had Ruach, but the Ruach at Ramah New England is palpable. You can feel it. There's an energy that I think is just a little bit different. That, that's my takeaway. Anyway, I don't know if Michelle has any other thoughts about that. No, I mean, I, I agree. I think the, uh, just going on your last point, the Ruach at Romano, England is awesome and amazing and the sheer like love and joy and happiness that people have for camp. It's awesome. 
Also, I hope that we can be a camp that we can take great pride in in the things that that we feel make Ramah special, and also be welcoming to kids, younger staff, more veterans that like staff, uh, people at all levels who come to us from from other camps, and also, and I, do, I think we've had some amazing success stories. <laughs> Not to mention the two of you who've come from other Ramah camps. I think it's nice to be able to balance the, that the two sides of that. The other thing, I just the last point I make, I agree with everything you said, Josh. Is the other big difference between Ramah camps. It's just some of them are much smaller, mm. you know, the 300 kids at a time, and some are much bigger with 500 plus kids at a time. And that certainly changes the flavor of, of any camp. And I also was a director of a, of a totally different camp, Camp Alanim, which was a great experience. And, I, and, and, and if you could live parallel lives, it's great to have different experiences. But, of course, I would never recommend giving up any time at Vermont, New England, because, because it's just the best. Yeah, I know. I've been saying for years I'd love to spend some time at, at other camps, but and yet it, you know to to imagine even a day away from Palmer is very difficult. This past kites, I spent one day at Ramah Birch's, which was a lot of fun, and something I've been talking about for years. I'm glad I did it, but you know every day is so precious over the kites. It's hard to imagine even one day somewhere else. All right, I, we have I think hit our um, our our elapsed time. Any words of of farewell? Well, I don't like farewell. Although you should all fare well. Um, I guess it's close, though, I guess, maybe to La Hitra Oat, which is to see see you again, sort of. And and uh, I think that this is a great start. And I hope we see you again or and and and, and join our year-round community and our 10 for Rue podcast and our 10 for Rue spirit. And thanks for joining. Michelle, any closing thoughts from you? Um, I think that was perfectly said by Rabbi Gelb. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, Todarabha, thanks for listening. Lehitrot.